You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Now Lindholm moves it ahead to Coleman. Speeds across the Flyers' blue line. Gets tackled and goes crashing into the boards and is a little slow to get off. Huberto centers. Gilbert scores! Dennis Gilbert launches a rocket right into the top corner of the Flyers' net. He scores his first goal of the season. And Jonathan Huberto with a beautiful pass finally gets the monkey off of his back as the Flames take a 2-1 lead. Flames steal it. Here comes Kadri up the right wing side. Kadri glides in, shoots, and scores! Nazem Kadri snaps the puck pass. Samuel Larson. The Flames have scored three unanswered goals and have a 3 1 lead. Majapani will pick it up. Majapani attacking it. Centers it. Coleman scores! Congratulations to Blake Coleman, who adds a goal to his assist in his 500th NHL game and makes it 4-2 Flames. The Calgary Flames ended 2023 off with a victory over the Philadelphia Flyers. Now set to kick off 2024 on the road in Minnesota. The start of a four-game road trip as the calendar turns and the season continues for the Calgary Flames. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com alongside my outstanding producers Cam and Taylor on this Tuesday. Busy show coming for you. We will get you the latest from Minnesota on a Flames game day. Final meeting between the Flames and the Minnesota Wild who saw each other twice in December. Both of those losses, 5-2 at the Scotiabank Saddle 3-2 in a shootout in Minnesota. We'll get you the latest from the locker room here from head coach Ryan Huska, Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev, and more on a Flames game day. We'll also check in with Minnesota here from their head coach, John Hines, ahead of tonight's matchup. It is a 6 p.m. puck drop, which means our Flames coverage starts at 5 o'clock with Pat Steinberg on Flames warm-up. 6 o'clock, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have Flames hockey for you right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Flames Wild will be a big part of the conversation today. We'll also dive in to the NFL story. Final week of the NFL regular season coming up. Haley McGoldrick is going to join us from sportsnet.ca to talk about what we saw last week and what to look forward to in week 18. Also a historic weekend for the PWHL. Christina Rutherford was there from Sportsnet. She'll join us in hour two to talk about the experience that was in the first ever PWHL game. It continues Today with a game in Ottawa. Quick reminder, fan feedback line always open to you here on the program. If you're listening live, shoot us a text at 960-960. But we're kicking things off today, of course, with a Flames game day. It's the Flames and the Minnesota Wild. You heard it on the intro. 
with uh, Derek Wills on the call. 4-3, the Flames victors on New Year's Eve against the Philadelphia Flyers and caps off what's been a pretty successful stretch for the Calgary Flames through December. We talked about that gauntlet stretch of games that they had. It was a good homestand to sort of wrap things up, and they've earned a point in six of their last eight games. Had a season-high three-game win streak in there as well. The road success not quite there for the Flames, and that's going to be important as we kick off the 2024 calendar uh, year. Minnesota Tuesday, Nashville Thursday. You see those Flyers again on Saturday, and then a meeting with Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks on tap for Sunday afternoon. The Flames need to get going on the road if they want any chance of remaining in the playoff conversation in the Western Conference. They've lost five of their last six road games, being outscored 21-18. to But their last eight games as a whole have been a success, 4-2-2. Two two. They've scored just over three goals a game, giving up two and a half. Their goal differential plus four. Penalty kill still strong at 85.2%. Penalty kill, or power play, excuse me, still a bit of a struggle for this team. Their last eight going 13.3%, four for 30 in that stretch. So some good and some bad mixed in for the Calgary Flames, their opponent tonight, the Minnesota Wild. We've seen lots of them in December. And despite losing both of those games in December to Minnesota, Calgary has had uh, the Minnesota Wild's number for the most part dating back to January 2020. The Flames have points in eight of their last ten against this Wild team. They've gone 6-2-2, two, and two, plus four on the goal differential. The power play has done very well against Minnesota, hitting at 28.6%, penalty kill at 86.2. And we got word today it's going to be a shorthanded Minnesota group. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury will get the start in goal as Philip Gustafson is week-to-week week with a lower body injury. And their star scorer, Kirill Kaprizov, will not play tonight. He is week-to-week with an upper body injury. So that's the news out of Minnesota today. As far as the Flames go, it was Jacob Markstrom in the starter's net for morning skate. So your goaltending matchup for tonight's matchup, Markstrom versus Flurry. Markstrom has been very good of late. The record maybe not as strong, but his play certainly near the top of uh, where it's been all season long. A 3-2 and record in his last five. This is a sixth straight start. He's got a 9.31 save percentage since returning from a broken finger. Let's get you the latest from the Flames locker room. Let's start off with the head coach, Ryan Huska, checking in following morning skate, his team, since the kickoff 2024 with a matchup against the Minnesota Wild. So to start off, this is a team you guys obviously know really well. Played them twice in the last you know, six weeks or whatever. What kind of uh, expectations do you have of this game tonight? Um, the same as we've had the last two times we've played them. So this is a hard-working team that we're playing against and it's playing really well right now. So um, we're expecting a, a real good game tonight. How, with those injuries that they have, they're pretty significant. How do you kind of make sure that your group puts the pedal down and, and make your own adjustment? Yeah, it, you know, oftentimes we talk about injuries where people may be missing from the lineup. It's opportunity for someone else. So someone's going to come in and they're going to play just as hard. So... Uh, for us, it's about making sure that we're committed to doing things the right way. And the second, third period in here, last time we were here, we did a much better job of that. We have to get to that game earlier tonight. There are subtle things or differences you've seen from with Hines here versus Evanston as far as structure or the way they break things out? Uh, that stands out not, not, a, not a ton. I mean, I think it's more about their um, 
you could see how hard they're playing on the puck right now and and the execution is there uh, when it maybe wasn't earlier in the year for whatever reason but they're playing similar to what we saw them play last year just thoughts on Gilbert's play lately I mean he had a big two-point night the other night second two-point night in the season got his first goal but overall with his game what are you seeing playing that you're liking right now yeah he's just game simple and that's what we need out of him like he's, he's one of our more physical players so um, he has to have that part of his game to be really effective for us so he has to be physical but when you ask guys to, as defensemen to make that first pass, Dennis takes it to heart. Um, and he's really tried to do a good job of moving the puck quickly and uh, keeping his game simple. And, and, and that's kind of what's allowed him to have success here over the last little while. What do you think about him skating with Rasmussen right, while they look together? You know, for the times they were together, I thought they looked fine. I mean, it, it's going to be a similar situation where we'll move them all around a little bit tonight again. But, um, you know, he understands the type of player that Raz is, and I think that's important. And that allows Raz to have a little bit more freedom to joining and getting into the play. Ask what do you think about um, Mark Andre Fleury? What comes to him? I, I think of one of the, the best goaltenders in um, probably NHL history when you look at how many games that he's played and what he's been able to do from you know, winning Stanley Cups to winning championships at, at every level and every international event he's been at. I mean, um, he's one of the goaltenders that you, you probably always think of with Patrick Waugh and Marty Berdour and, and goaltenders like that over recent history. Boldy's played particularly well against you guys in the two games so far. You put any extra attention on him, I guess, tonight? I mean, they have a strong lot of top of the He just seems so played really Yeah, he's because he's a good player. So he's got some size in the, and he can make plays in traffic. So it's it's just making sure that we don't give them room to operate. And that goes for everybody in their lineup. Any significant lineup changes for you? or you guys uh, I'm not expecting to be too many. A lot of really good young defensemen in this league. What are your impressions of Brock Faber? I've seen um, a couple times. Yeah, I think he, as you mentioned, he is a good young defenseman. He skates well. He's able to handle some bigger minutes as we've seen this year. So you see, I think with a lot of the younger guys in the league, there's a different skill set now. And I think that goes from the coaching that they receive at a younger age, that they're more confident in, in their abilities as they move up. But you know, he's a good young player. I'm sorry if you were this it's already, okay. but... Coming off a win like that, you keep thinking they want to string wins together. How do you carry momentum over from that game into this future? It's the mentality and how you set yourself up over the course of the day to be ready to play. I mean, a lot of how the guys prepared themselves to play against Philadelphia is what we need here. So understanding the importance of a good start, understanding the importance of the last five minutes of the period, making sure we're at our very best in those situations, and, and really challenging each other in the dressing room to not let their foot off the gas there. There you go. Checking in from the locker room following morning skate in Minnesota with head coach Ryan Huska on a game day. Flames in the Minnesota Wild for the final time this season. You heard Ryan there asked about Marc-Andre Fleury. He gets the start in goal for the Minnesota Wild. And yes, a legendary career for Marc-Andre Fleury this season. 6-6-2 with a 3.16 goals against an 8.93 save percentage in 15 games this season. On the 31st, he played in his 1,000th career game versus the Winnipeg Jets. He has 550 career wins. His next will tie him with Patrick Waugh for second most all-time in NHL history, would trail only the great Martin Brodeur, who has the lead all to himself at 691 wins by a goalie in NHL history. As far as his career versus the Flames, Flurry sits with a 14 Six one and one record, two point one three goals against in a nine thirty save percentage, with five shutouts to go in his career against the Calgary Flames. So we'll see what version of Marc Andre Fleury the Flames get when they take on the Minnesota Wild tonight from Minnesota. Let's check in again in the Flames locker room here from Elias Lindholm. Better game for Elias on Sunday out against the Minnesota against the Philadelphia Flyers. Excuse me, 
That line, of course, saw a shakeup. Andrew Mangiapane off of that line with Backlund, now on with Backlund and Coleman. Huberto stepping up to play with Lindholm and Sharon Goins to check in with the Flames center ahead of a game day against Minnesota. Uh, you guys have been talking about how you want to string some wins together. What do you need to carry over from that win over Philly onto this road trip? Yeah, I mean, obviously you want to uh, kind of, you know, catch up to, to te- teams we're chasing. So, I mean, for us, it's just take one game at a time. Obviously, you know, put the put the Philly game behind us and, and take the good stuff from there and, and bring it today. And, and we can't look too far ahead. I mean, uh, uh, we're still a lot of points back, but uh, just got to take this game and, and hopefully get the win and then move on. What was the good stuff from that game? What did you like the best about the way your team competed that night? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of good things. Uh, I think the second period we played really well, uh, moving the puck, worked hard, and, and created a lot of chaos in front of that. So, I mean, another night, uh, their goal would play well. Another night, we'd probably score score more goals. But, uh, you know, uh, just uh, just uh, overall, the team effort was, was good that night. That chaos in front of the net, uh, is that what you need to do against a goalie like Marc-Andre Fleury? Or, or what do you see when you when you play a, an elite goaltender like? Yeah, I mean, that's that's like any goaltender now. Uh, you know, all the goalies are really good and, and moving well, and, and uh, most of them are big too. So I think, uh, you know, once you see the puck, uh, it's... Uh, you know they're usually going to make the save, so it's it's always the same same recipe kind of to to you know get in front of that and make them uh, not see the puck. Minnesota has given you guys trouble this year. What do they do that's been tough to to play against? Yeah, I mean in our rink, uh, obviously our our effort was wasn't good enough, and and you know last time here I thought the, you know for two pairs we were the better team, and and you know probably could have won that game. So I mean um, I liked our you know. Um, second and third period here, so hopefully we can, you know, bring the same um, same game, but uh, bring it for the first as well. So uh, I think we'll be be fine if we do that. Last one for you. When you look at a guy like Jonathan, uh, who finally gets a point like that, I mean, as another as an offensive guy yourself, when you go through slumps, what can getting a point like that do for your confidence? No, it can be huge. I mean, uh, obviously, um, you know. Um, when you go uh, go a lot of games without a point, or or you know you're an offensive guy and try to help the team, and, and you know it's tough on the confidence, and and you know just get a you know an um, assist like that or or um, something else, it it always helps uh, the confidence. And I, I thought the whole team was uh, was happy for him, so um, you know it was the was a boost for the whole team. This is Elias Lindholm checking with the Flames forward in Minnesota ahead of tonight's game against the Wild. Lots there on his new line mate and, I guess, former line mate uh, as well. Jonathan Huberto picked up a big point in that win against Philly. They'll look to continue that success as a line when they take on Minnesota tonight. One last check-in in the Flames locker room. Uh, a quick check-in with Flames defenseman Chris Tanev at tonight's game against Minnesota. You guys have been talking about how you need to string wins together here. How do you carry momentum over from that win over Philly, which was a pretty good, gritty win for you guys? Yeah, it's... Uh important to take take what we did from the second and third and, and bring it here against a, a team that's ahead of us in the standings and, and we're trying to catch so like you said um trying to trying to get on a roll and um take care of business uh, on this trip it, it's huge for our season what did you like the best about the way your team played that game um i think the first was sort of a bit back and forth and a bit sloppy and uh they were at end of a trip, and I think they, they started to get tired, and we, we were able to put the foot on the pedal a little bit and, and really play in their end and, and put some pressure on them and try to force them into making mistakes. You guys have had some trouble with Minnesota this year so far. What do they do that's been tough to play against? Yeah, they, they play uh, d- pretty direct, um, a lot of bigger guys. So, I mean, 
lot of pucks behind us and, and motion in the ozone. So um, we we got to be dialed in, in in our D zone coverage. There you go. Final check in in the Flames locker room ahead of tonight's game against Minnesota. That was defenseman Chris Tanev, and he mentioned there early in that interview. Look, this is a team that the Flames are trying to track down as we enter action on this Tuesday. The Flames one point back of the Minnesota Wild in the chase for a wild card spot. Minnesota does have a game in hand on Calgary with the wild card race starting to perhaps take shape in the Western Conference. And the Flames will need to pick up points on this road trip if they want any chance of remaining in that conversation. The kind of stationary. 500 level of hockey is going to push you towards the bottom of the standing sooner than later. Flames already trailing the Arizona Coyotes by five points. When it comes to that final wild card spot, the Predators hold the top wild card spot right now in the West with 41 points. The problem for the Flames, and you might say five points, what's five points? You can make that up. Absolutely, you can. But the problem is mixed in between Calgary and Arizona is Minnesota, St. Louis, Edmonton, and Seattle. So every time those other teams go out and pick up wins or pick up a point in an overtime game or a shootout loss, the gap just becomes that much harder to whittle away if you're Calgary. And, hey, look, maybe your team tank. Uh, well, there's plenty of reason to to be on that train right now if you're the Calgary Flames and you look and say, hey, uh, you're the last team right now with a realistic shot at that wild card race, maybe you'd be better off losing some of these games. Of course, that's not the mentality the team is going to take into it, but this is an important road trip for the Calgary Flames. It starts against the Minnesota Wild because you need to pick up points. Look at the teams ahead of them. I mentioned Seattle and Edmonton, both of them right now on five-game winning streak, and that hasn't put them in a wild card spot. That's the climbing up against other teams, and both of those teams in the wild card right now, Nashville and Arizona, um, aren't are starting to fall behind when it comes to the central division. They're seven and eight points back, respectively, of the Dallas Stars. Arizona's still trailing uh, the LA Kings by four points. You're starting to see those gaps show up in the NHL standings. And the further away, uh, further away you are if you're the Calgary Flames, and the more teams there are in between you and that playoff spot the harder this conversation becomes to say, okay, are we still realistically in this? Are there still trades to be made that are going to, is going to affect the competitiveness of this group down the stretch? I think all of that still on the table for the Calgary flames, but we'll start with tonight in Minnesota flames and wild part of 13 games on the NHL schedule on this Tuesday, January 2nd. It's a very, very busy slate. It all kicks off. At 5 o'clock tonight with the Bruins and the Blue Jackets. We've got the Hurricanes and the Rangers. Uh, Sportsnet's going to carry the Capitals and Penguins at 5.30. It's another edition of Crosby v. Ovechkin. 6 o'clock starts, of course, Flames and Wild on Sportsnet West. And right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. You've got the Habs and the Stars. Blackhawks, Predators, Islanders, Avalanche, Panthers, Coyotes. Minnesota, uh, excuse me, the Lightning are in Winnipeg to take on the Jets. And a little bit later on tonight, up the road in Edmonton, the Flyers taking on the Oilers on Sportsnet 1 at 7 o'clock. And then your 8 o'clock or later starts. Sends Canucks from Vancouver. Leafs are on the West Coast taking on the LA Kings at 8.30. And it's the Detroit Red Wings and the San Jose Sharks rounding out NHL action on this Tuesday. And if you missed it earlier, 
uh, this morning. You were sleeping, getting ready for work today. You might have missed it. Uh, heartbreak for Team Canada at the World Junior Hockey Championships. They are ousted in the quarterfinals by Czechia. A late goal with 11 seconds remaining. Uh, it looked like the game was bound for overtime. Canada just unable to push it home in a tournament where it didn't really feel like Canada ever really gained a whole lot of momentum. Lots of great players, but some questionable roster decisions, I think. And uh, unfortunate for Canada, their World Juniors uh, ends early on in the quarterfinals. They will not get a chance to defend their gold medal as their tournament ended earlier today with a 3-2 loss to Chechia. So that's the story from the World Junior Hockey Championships. Quick reminder, uh, the Beer League broadcast is back here on Sportsnet 960. We're going to take place March 22nd. We're into the Flames Community Arena, and we need two amateur hockey teams to join us on the ice and have their game broadcast over the Sportsnet 960 airways. If your team is lucky enough to take part in this, you can look forward to celebrity refs. We're going to have an after party with our friends at Wild Rose Brewery. We're going to have intermission games for the audience, and we're going to get you guys set up with custom jerseys. You can enter your team now at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Winning teams can be chosen and contacted on February 2nd. This event brought to you by our friends at Wild Rose Brewery, serving up premium craft beer to Albertans since 1996. Whether you're looking for a finely tuned craft lager or a robust porter, they've got something for everyone. Find them around Alberta and at the tap room in the Curry Barracks. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We're going to switch over to the NFL, the regular season coming to an end this weekend. Lots still to be decided. Haley McGoldrick from Sportsnet.ca going to join us to break it all down. Talking some football next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Week 18 kicks off the NFL season on Saturday with two matchups. The Steelers are in Baltimore to take on the Ravens. And the Texans travel to Indianapolis to take on the Colts as part of an NFL finale regular season week that leaves much to be decided. Three playoff spots still up for grabs in the AFC, two in the NFC. We still have division champions to crown in both conferences. Dream scenario for the NFL when they crafted up this new playoff format. Week 17 was a ton of fun. And expecting pretty much the same in week 18 to help us break it all down. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our pal from Sportsnet.ca and many other outlets. It's our friend Haley McGoldrick joining us this afternoon. Haley, thanks for doing this. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm really good, thank you. Uh, in large part because I had a good weekend watching football. There was a ton going on from the drama in uh, Detroit and Dallas's game to... All we've still got left to come up with in Week 18, I imagine the NFL, who um, look to be honest, makes a lot of money and gets a lot of viewers, is probably pretty happy with how this all worked out for Week 18. Yeah, you could say that the scriptwriters were definitely scripting <laughs> that weekend. You know, the whole, like you said, the Lions drama with Taylor Decker reporting. They probably made that play for him and then said he didn't report and then everyone's pulling up the receipts like okay what is he talking to this rep about then if he's not reporting and whatever and even you look at um i'm a big seahawks fan you look at seahawks Steelers. if the seahawks win that game they end the steelers chances and now the steelers have hope against baltimore well baltimore's already clinched so what who are they going to play you know john harbaugh doesn't like to lose but you might want to rest your players. Lamar's probably locked up MVP by now. Are you going to risk any injuries? There's 
so much now that rides on week 18 because of the drama from week 17. It really was kind of the perfect week for chaos in the NFL. It sure was. And one of the teams sort of leading that chaos, and you talked about them uh, in your latest up at sportsnet.ca and your week 17 takeaways, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles sure have some problems heading into the postseason. Look, a lot of teams would love to be 11-5 and five heading into the postseason, but if you're the Eagles, all of a sudden you're looking at perhaps a road game to kick things off in a wild card spot, and you've got to have a lot of questions about your defense after Kyler Murray and the Cardinals walked all over you in the second half on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. And I will give the Cardinals credit where credit's due. Obviously, Kyler was out. They were dealing with injuries to begin the season. And, you know, the Cardinals are just not that strong of a team. We get it. But they're feisty for sure. And they were feisty that whole game. But they absolutely exposed that Eagles defense. And that Eagles defense has looked good, really good at points this year. But losing four out of their last five, like the momentum's not there for the Eagles. Your offense, you have you're supposed to have at least one of the best offenses when you've got players like obviously Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. You've got one of the best receiving cores in the league, and they just have not looked the way that they should for a team that started the season as strong as they did. I think that's the biggest thing, too, when you start a season undefeated and then they're only a one-loss team for so long. You have to shoot high expectations, and now, like you said, you're potentially going on a road game, and, yeah, they get to finish off the season against the New York Giants, but you even look like – Terod Taylor was looking pretty decent out there for the Giants. I won't lie. He was, you know, flinging. So yeah. we got to give the Giants a bit of credit, too. They're going to push on the Eagles as well. So, like you said, it's it's a really been a steep slide for the Eagles recently because for a team that started the season so, so strong, they've been looking horrific in the last month or so. Yeah, I'm not sure how many people a month ago, like you mentioned, would have had this team slipping to this degree to where – they might lose the division to the Cowboys. I think we were pretty sure they were going to compete with a team like San Fran for top of the conference and maybe get that bye week that so many teams are going to covet going forward. And now you're right. I mean, if you're the Giants, a chance to play spoiler against a division rival, uh, there's a lot on the line here for the Eagles when it comes to playoff seeding and I think just even making a good impression heading into the postseason. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, too, it's just – the biggest thing is that a month ago you would have never thought they were in this spot. And now all of a sudden it's like do or die. And like you said, I said before, I think the giants are really going to push as well, as much as this season's been over since the season began for the giants, essentially, but the season's <laughs> been over for them for a long time. But like you said, if you are able to create chaos and take advantage of this Eagles team, that's been on this decline, why wouldn't you? Has it sort of changed your view of Philly when it comes to where they might be as far as a contender in the overall NFC Haley? A little bit, for sure. And I think, too, you can look at a few teams that I think even some of their biggest wins, they have a lot of garbage time wins and things like that. I think of the Dolphins in the same respect, and I think we're going to talk about the Dolphins, I'm sure, because the Dolphins-Bills game is a giant matchup. But there's a lot of wins that are last-second wins. They're not really good wins. I even look at that Seahawks game. That's a game where it was honestly a trap game because Pete Carroll was, undefeated against the Eagles as the head coach of the Seahawks and whatever. And the Seahawks have been so hit or miss this year. And it was just like, you have the lead in that game and you're, that's the thing too. You're blowing all these leads as well. That's the biggest thing for the Eagles. You've got these leads and then you're letting these teams have these huge comebacks, which is just so unacceptable. And it's like the offense can only do so much as well. I don't think the offense is perfect by any means, but the defense has to step up. You can't be allowing teams to have 14, 21 points second half because that's how you're losing football games. 
Let's talk about the the Dolphins there. You mentioned it. They're going to be the Sunday nighter this week, and uh, I imagine there's going to be a ton of eyeballs there. There's been a lot of questions about the Bills this season. They've got their own storylines going on, but that's got to be a depressing loss if you're Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins because I think the Dolphins, rightfully so, have been in the conversation about, okay, yeah, I think maybe two in this group could be one of the top teams in the AFC, and then you go up against a very good Baltimore team and you kind of get smacked around a bit. They're dealing with another key injury, Bradley Chubb, uh, now out for the season. That's another pass rusher gone for Miami that you're not going to replace late in the season. This is a really big one for a lot of reasons on Sunday night. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, that Chubb injury is huge, and they're absolutely going to be missing out on him. But you even look just at Tua in this game. Tua is such a fascinating quarterback to me because there are times he looks elite and it looks like, okay, you know, he's beating the mid allegations. He's this quarterback. Like you look at games, like I know the Broncos have come a long way since the 70, 20 game against the Dolphins, but you look at a game like that and it's like, wow, he looks perfect. You look at this game against the Ravens. He throws two interceptions. He's 22, 38. He's not having the best day. And then you look at Lamar, who has a perfect passer rating, five touchdowns. And it's just like, they are on completely different planets. And this Dolphins team, I think, is another one, too, who up until that win over the Cowboys, which, again, wasn't a very convincing win, but they were unable to beat the can you beat a team over 500 allegations. That's the biggest thing, too. You look at their schedule and you're not super convinced. And I feel the same way about the Bills a little bit because the Bills have also had a lot of games like that as well, where I think the Bills have had games where they look super strong. Josh Allen looks amazing. Stephon Diggs looks amazing. Their defense looks really good. And then you have other games like that one game against the Giants where they barely beat the Giants. And I feel like I'm picking on the Giants, but they're just not good this year, and that's <laughs> fair, okay. But, but you know, they have those games against the Giants where that's not a convincing win, barely beating the New York Giants when you're the Buffalo Bills. You're a team that the beginning of every single season, that people say, this is the year, we're going to the Super Bowl. It's just this is a huge game for both of them, and neither team is really – convincing to me that you know this is a dominant team that's going to run through the AFC after winning this game I think whatever team comes out of this game is still going to struggle a little bit in the playoffs yeah and I wonder about that in the AFC as a whole if you kind of take Baltimore out of that conversation the Chiefs have struggled this year I have no idea what to expect from the Browns who have this revitalized Joe Fly I mean it's it sounds great but I mean (laughs) are we talking about a Super Bowl contender right now with Joe Flacco off the couch for five weeks, it kind no. of feels like the whole AFC minus Baltimore. You can run through every team and say, I've kind of got a question mark about how legit they are. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. Like AFC East, Dolphins, Bills, okay. Again, not super. Some of their wins I'm not super convinced with. And then the Jets and the Patriots are just a write off. AFC North, same thing. The Bengals, obviously, losing Joe Burrow sucks. The Steelers have had. 80 quarterbacks at this point and are doing okay. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. What else is new? Like you said, the Browns, Joe Flacco, they're looking really good. They've got, obviously, they lost Amari Cooper, but they've still got going on. David Njoku had that massive game. I love Njoku. He's incredible. Um, And then, obviously, the AFC South is a dumpster fire. Like, that, (laughs) it always has been, (laughs) always will be. But, I mean, even still, you look, the Texans and Colts are going into now a do or die game one of these teams has to win and you can look at the Texans I know I'm a huge CJ Stroud fan I love that boy so much but the fact that the Texans went from three and 13 last year to now nine and seven the potential to clinch a playoff spot that's incredible they're going to be pushing I think I don't think the team that comes out of the AFC South is essentially going to do anything or go to the Super Bowl but at least 
it's a little competitive in there. And then, like you said, the AFC West, yes, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, but they haven't been super convincing either. I feel bad. Patrick Mahomes needs receivers. You and I need to go out there and suit up for him. <laughs> he needs somebody who can catch footballs for Patrick Mahomes. But the Broncos have been super hit or miss. They went on that really long streak. At one point, they won six of seven. They were doing really well. Started off the year really poorly. Again, another team that's kind of lost some heartbreaking games. And then the Chargers, that's, you know, when you lose Justin Herbert, you've got injuries, you know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. I get it. They're dealing with a lot. The Chargers are going to write off this season. And then the Raiders, same thing. You've got Aiden O'Connell out there. You've had coaching change. I know a lot of them like playing for Antonio Pierce, but like you said, there's just, other than the Ravens, there's not a team other than maybe the Browns. Again, the Browns is just like a storybook because Joe Flacco going from the Ravens, you know, Super Bowl MVP to now playing for the Browns division rival, taking them to playoffs is kind of crazy. And, you know, how can you not be romantic about football when things like this happen? But other than definitely the Ravens, maybe the Browns, maybe the Bills, maybe the Dolphins, nobody in the AFC is convincing. Not a single team. Speaking of the Ravens, and I, I don't want to take too much away from your article because I want everyone to go to sportswithin.ca and read it, but uh, your view of that game against Miami really cemented where Lamar Jackson sits as far as an MVP front runner. And, you know, speaking of going back and, you know, having the uh, the advantage of, of hindsight, it allows us to go back and think of, remember when we were talking about how Lamar Jackson and the Ravens weren't going to figure this out, how they didn't value him enough, he was representing himself, and that was a whole weird situation. And now here we are thinking, what would the Ravens be without Lamar Jackson? And just how good is this guy? It's been an incredible season for them, and I'm not sure we're talking about the Ravens enough. Oh, absolutely. I don't think we are either. Even a week ago, it was, oh, no, Lamar doesn't deserve MVP. He's this, he's that, whatever. Like, you look at Lamar, he leads his team not only in passing, but in rushing yards also. So that's that. His leading receiver is a rookie. Zay Flowers is incredible, and he deserves his flowers. Haha, <laughs> but truly, he deserves his flowers. He's, he's doing really well, but, you know, coming into this year, Lamar did not have the glamorous receiving core that a lot of other teams do. Like I said, he's leading the team in rushing yards. Like, they don't have a super incredible – obviously, Gus Edwards has been playing really well as well, but I think that so much of their offense relies on Lamar, and the whole point of MVP is that – your team will not win football games without you. Like, yes, you are the best player in the entire league, which is a lot to say because there are a lot of incredible players. But the point of the award is that your team is not winning football games without you. The Ravens are absolutely not winning football games without Lamar Jackson. I know a lot of people at one point had said Brock Purdy because of the 49ers doing so on this and that. Okay, well, you look at Brock Purdy and, you know, you can say what you want about him. He does... He'll throw a check down. He's throwing a pass five yards, and then Debo Samuel's taking it 40 yards from there. You know, you're throwing a check down to Christian McCaffrey. Well, yeah, no matter who is defending Christian McCaffrey, he's getting that first down. It's incredible. You watch him run. It's just like, yep, that's an automatic first down. You've got George Kittle on that team. You've got Brandon Ayuk on that team. Like, I don't want to take away from Brock Purdy. Obviously, going from Mr. Irrelevant to having the season he's done is insane and he deserves to have you know his respect as well but mm. I think that a team like the 49ers is just so talented that you could put a few people under center and they're probably going to be able to get the ball to Christian McCaffrey or get it to Debo Samuel or get it to whoever whereas when it comes to Lamar and the Ravens like you said before it's true I think this has really opened their eyes that this man is so 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 valuable to this team um, and it kind of reflects his 2019 MVP winning season as well just the games that he's had he's such a game changer and 
I hope now that the Ravens see his value because he's just unreal. Even the games that the the Ravens have lost have been really close games. They've never really gotten blown out in any single game. They've never lost by less than seven points. So, or more than seven points, sorry. So I think he really, especially that game too, going up against Miami, that's supposed to be this giant powerhouse that really shows that Lamar is MVP material. hundred percent. She's Haley McGoldrick joining us. Talking some NFL here on Sportsnet today. You can find Haley on Twitter at Goldie on Sports. A couple more to hit with you before we uh, go, Haley. And the other side of, of the Week 18 conversation is really interesting as well because, uh, look, the, the draft is something that people always pay attention to. And if you're an eliminated team, that's kind of where your focus is. And for the team that now confirmed has the number one overall pick, they've sure got some decisions to make. Uh, it'll be one more opportunity for Justin Fields in a big game against the Green Bay Packers coming up on Sunday. Where would you lean right now if you were the Chicago Bears? Do you think that holding on to Justin Fields makes the most sense? Does drafting a quarterback make sense for them? Where do you kind of come out on that whole conversation? See, this is tough for me, especially because, listen, we all have our biases when it comes to teams we love and sports we love, whatever. So I... My dad is from Columbus, Ohio. I'm a huge Ohio State fan. So all, you know, talking about C.J. Stroud, talking about all these Ohio State guys, they hold such a special place in my heart. And Justin Fields was not dealt a great hand coming into this week, going to Matt Nagy, Chicago Bears. His confidence was really killed off, and I think he's starting to blossom now again. But it's like, at this point, some people are just already out on him. They've seen what they needed to see. They're not in on him. And, of course, he's not perfect. I thought he had a really good game against the Falcons. Granted, it's the Falcons, but he had a really good game against the Falcons. But then again, you see times where he's taking too long in the pocket. He's not making great decisions. That one game, I can't remember who it was against, but he tried to run the ball twice and fumbled it twice on both runs. And it's just, we can't be doing those things. But I do think he's got talent and he deserves to shine somewhere. But also, I get it. It's a business. At the end of the day, the NFL is a business. Do you want to take Yes, you'd get Justin for for sure another year, maybe that fifth-year option. But, you know, he's on his rookie contract for one more year. That's it. Whereas you can get another player on a rookie contract now. And it's like, do do I think that Caleb Williams can save the Chicago Bears? No, I don't think anyone can save the Chicago Bears. (laughs) But you get that rookie contract. You kind of get a fresh start. You're not paying out of pocket for a quarterback. So I completely understand that. I do think they have a really tough decision because I think – that Justin has really grown this year. The Bears are really hot right now. They're doing really well, all things considered. And so I think that I would I would want to stay with him and build around him. But also, as I said, I get that it's a business. So I get at the end of the day, you want a rookie player. You want to save money. Do I think Caleb Williams had the most convincing season with USC? No, I think that he's still a really talented player. I also think that USC had horrible defense. That's why Alex Grinch was fired midseason because he was the worst defensive coordinator in college football. Genuinely horrid. I don't know how he still had a job even <laughs> up until this season, but whatever. That's that's my beef with Alex Grinch. But uh, I don't think there's a correct answer here because I think that Justin Fields is a talented quarterback, and I think he had a little bit of his confidence killed and is starting to get it back. I think the DJ Moore craze. Oh my God, DJ Moore trade was incredible for the Bears. He's an incredible receiver that really helped. They've got some talent in players like Cole Komet, they've really been, you know, finding their way. But again, because it's a business, I think that if you have confirmed the first overall pick, why wouldn't you pick the best quarterback available that you know you're going to have on a rookie contract for the next few years? 
there's there's no correct answer here because I feel like either way, yes, you can keep Justin Fields and build around him, but then who are you taking first overall? You're going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. first overall. What are you doing with that pick? Usually it's just like, feels like it's almost automatic that the first overall pick is just always the best quarterback available. Like all hell would break loose otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a, a rather big change from what we've seen uh, from NFL teams. But you're right. I mean, the biggest beef I have with NFL teams drafting young quarterbacks, and it's one I have with, with Carolina right now, is why are you putting Bryce Young in a position to fail, right? I, I think Absolutely. the Giants did the same thing with Daniel Jones when they brought him in. And you expect these guys who have very talented players around them in college to jump into an NFL offense and go up against NFL defenses on a regular basis. And I'm sorry, Adam Thielen, great guy, was a great Minnesota Viking. He can't be your top receiver. And I think Justin no. Fields, you were right. I think he suffered from a bad coach. I think DJ Moore has been far and away his best receiver he's ever had in Chicago. And that's not a slight of DJ Moore, but that's not exactly a, you know, a far and it's not, it's not a Tyreek Hill like Patrick Mahomes had coming into to Kansas City. So it's kind of a tough conversation because you're right. I think you can use some of those picks and absolutely give Justin Fields a ton of help that he probably deserves. But at the same time, you're right. The quarterback position, how much guys get paid out of their rookie deals, does it make sense to go to a, a younger guy and maybe give him some of that talent? You've still got your own pick that's going to be a top 10 pick probably, and uh, maybe Caleb Evans is the, or was the guy that comes in and gets that help instead of Justin Fields. No, absolutely. I completely agree with you, too. I always say the same thing. Like, I look at the Jets. The Jets are completely that. They took Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold doesn't pan out because he's not in a great environment, so then you take Zach Wilson. Exact same thing happens. I was never huge on Zach Wilson because I thought – you know, coming out of BYU, you're coming from an independent school who plays an independent schedule and you just, you've got 4,000 yards because you're stat padding, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But same thing, they're just killing all these young guys' confidence. And I know I feel really bad for Bryce Young because it's the same thing. Like, I love CJ Stroud, and at first I was always like, he should have gone first, he should have gone first. And now I'm very grateful that he did not go first overall because the Panthers have completely ruined Bryce Young's confidence. And it's so hard to bounce back from that as well because people just look at, like you said, you, how are you a rookie coming to this league? Bryce Young was at Alabama. You know the best of the best. Go to Alabama. So much talent around him. And then you're going to a franchise that doesn't have a lot of success in the last few years, doesn't have any talent on them, and you're expected to come in and save this franchise. Like The expectations are just so unrealistic. And even if the Bears do move on from field, those expectations are now going to fall on Caleb Williams. And again, I'm not saying this because I don't think he's talented. I absolutely think he's talented. But he's not the guy to save the Chicago Bears. No. No, not at all. Uh, before we let you go, we've got two games on Saturday. One, uh, of course, the full slate on Sunday. Uh, we get uh, a lot of viewing options as we do and uh, with technology nowadays. But if I had to limit you to one game, Haley, on the weekend schedule, one game with consequences for whatever crown or playoff spot, you can only watch one NFL game this weekend, which one would you watch? I think it has to be Buffalo-Miami because of the implications for the AFC East title. Obviously, it's the Sunday night primetime game. I also think it's just one of the best matchups this weekend, just because some of the other ones, like Rams, Niners should be okay. I like the Rams. I think they have a lot of talent, obviously, like younger talent, like Tyron Williams and Puka, Nakua. They've got a lot of talent. But I just think Bills, Dolphins, because it has the most meaning, and I also just think it's going to be the most entertaining because a lot of the other ones, like Patriots, Jets, that's going to be disgusting i'll be shocked if either <laughs> team scores over 10 points like that's gonna be 
so gross. I don't recommend anybody. You're a sicko if you're watching that one. Yeah. Unless it's on Red Zone, that's different. But if yeah. you're just tuning in straight to Patriots Jets, I we need to talk. But I think that definitely it has to be Bill's Dolphins. It's prime time. So much on the line. Two, at least 10 win teams. A lot of the other ones, there's not a lot of teams who have reached 10 wins, unfortunately, because of just the way this season's gone. I mean, how many backup quarterbacks are we watching in week week to week, right? It's just been one of those seasons. But, yeah, definitely Bill's Dolphins is the one to watch, 100%. Love it. Great stuff, Haley. Really appreciate you jumping on. hope we can do it again. And, uh, hey, shout out to your mom if she's listening. Uh, The more viewers and more listeners, the better, hey? Thank you so much. Shout (laughs) out, Mom, if you're listening. Love you. (laughs) Thanks, Haley. Appreciate this. Talk soon, hey? Talk soon. Take care. Thank you. Haley McGoldrick joining us. Down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, guest hotline talking all things NFL. Her latest uh, Week 17 takeaways available at sportsnet.ca. Lamar Jackson in the MVP conversation. Justin Fields in the Bears. Cardinals-Eagles takeaways. Saints-Bucks. All of it there uh, with Haley at sportsnet.ca. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side talking some hockey. The PWHL kicked off uh, what should be a historic run with a massive first game. Uh, the PWHL off to a roaring start. Uh, Christina Rutherford from Sportsnet was there. Uh, she took it all in. She wrote about it for Sportsnet.ca. We're going to get a firsthand account from her coming up next. Talk about just how special a moment it was uh, as the PWHL kicked off their inaugural season. Still to come in an hour or two. We'll continue getting you set for the Flames and the Minnesota Wild. It's a game day. 5 o'clock Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. 6 o'clock Flames Hockey with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.